most certainly true. In the greatest act of selfless mercy, God sent His own Son into our world to die for your sins. And we can't stop talking about it. We now present this sermon, recently delivered at Grace, to you. From Matthew chapter 22, these words of Jesus will serve as the basis for today's sermon. Then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him, Jesus, in his words. They sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Teacher, they said, we know that you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, You hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for the tax. They brought him a denarius, and he asked them, Whose image is this, and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then he said to them, So give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. When they heard this, they were amazed. So they left him and went away. The Gospel of the Lord. I'm tired today. I wish I could say that it was because I don't sleep super well the night before I preach, or that this week was especially long, or that during the middle of this week, one night, my smoke detector decided to beep incessantly throughout the night, and I had to traipse around sleepily trying to figure out which one it was. But those aren't the reasons I'm tired today. I have what I think is called political exhaustion. It's a real thing. It's not fake news. It's really something. And maybe you have it too. You know, especially at this time, we are inundated with political advertisements in almost every aspect of life. You can't turn on your television or listen to Pandora or look at your email or social media or even check your mailbox or walk down the street without seeing politicians and their messaging. It's at these times, and and let's not forget that this is a very contentious election, and both from politicians to their supporters themselves are not being very civil or respectful of one another. Oh, and did I mention that we're still in the midst of a worldwide pandemic? And a lot of people have a lot of uh, are wrestling with this and, and whether this is a political thing or how the government has been handling this for the safety of its people and whether we should or don't have to obey the laws and rules that they have put in place. And let me throw in there the hot-button topics of the social injustices that are going around and how we think our leaders are handling those issues too. I don't know about you, but I'm tired. And here you thought you could come and have a little bit of respite from the political ring today. And all the readings that are set before us bring us right back into the political ring. They tell us what it looks like for the Christian in the way that we view and interact with government. And I have to be honest, it's perfect timing. Because the words that are set before us today are words that each and every one of us need to hear. And whether you're hearing them for the hundredth time and it's another beautiful reminder for you, or whether these are brand new words as a a first-time encouragement for you, 
At a time like this, when it is so heated in politics and in our government, we need to be reminded what God says about government and how he views it. I don't know if you caught the the theme as it was printed out in your worship folder. It's on page 11 if you want to sneak a peek. But it says, the Christian honors government. And then there's not a typo, but there's a question mark, a slash, and a period. Maybe you're wondering, well, pastor, why didn't you just settle on one? But you see, that's just the issue. It's the issue that is before us today as God's people. Do Christians honor government? Do and should Christians honor government? Even when we don't agree with it. What often starts out as a question in our hearts and in our minds, I pray that by the end of today, will become a statement. The stage was set The lines were drawn. There were some unexpected alliances made, but after the the false pleasantries were all made, the debate began. We want to know your opinion. And all the while, the one side was hoping to trap the other in his words in order to cause him to to lose all sort of respect in front of his, his supporters. And they thought that they had the greatest smear campaign going on ever. Now, maybe you're thinking I'm describing some type of debate that has taken, uh, taken place recently, but I'm actually describing a political debate that took place in the gospel for today, a political debate in which the center of it was Jesus, as he's being questioned about politics, questioned by his enemies as they are hoping to trap him in his words so that they can get rid of him. This is what they asked him. Tell us then, what is your opinion Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? It's interesting to note the two groups that came together to question Jesus on this day. You had the Pharisees and the Herodians, both who had very different political ideals that often separated them and caused division among them. But on this day, they pushed all those divisions aside as they joined in a bipartisan attempt to try to get rid of Jesus and trap him. Because both sides saw Jesus as a threat to their leadership. And so they came up with the question that is before us. This question that they thought was the surefire thing that was going to get Jesus no matter how he answered. If he said, no, don't pay your taxes to the government, then the Herodians were going to drag Jesus in front of the Roman governor, accuse him of treason, and have him executed. And if Jesus said, yes, pay your taxes to Caesar then all the Jewish followers that Jesus had were going to abandon him because they opposed and despised the Roman state. And so it seemed like they had it in the bag. They got Jesus. There's no way he can get out of this one. But we know Jesus better than that, don't we? And Jesus saw right through the trap. And after calling them out on their hypocrisy and their hypocritical ways and actions... Jesus invited them to bring a coin in front of them. And after he brought the coin, he asked, whose image is this? And whose inscription? You know, just picture coins. Their coins were very similar to our coins today. And imagine having a quarter in front of you. What's on the quarter? Whose picture and and what is written on it? 
Of course, there's a picture of George Washington, our first president, and on it is inscribed the words, In God We Trust. You flip it over, on the other side is E Pluribus Unum, out of many, one. Well, what was on the coin that Jesus held, that denarius that was in his hand? On the front side was, too, a picture of their current Roman emperor, Tiberius. And on the back side it said this, Tiberius Caesar Augustus, son of the divine Augustus. It was written in Latin, but English is a little easier for us, isn't it? Well, after determining what was on that coin and to whom it belonged, Jesus said this, Give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. The crowd heard this, and they were amazed. And they went away, leaving Jesus. They were floored that Jesus had somehow found a way to answer them and to avoid the trap that they had so deceitfully and cunningly laid before him. So let's take a few moments this morning to unpack that statement that Jesus shared with them because it really lays the foundation for the Christian's understanding of how we are to interact and view government. It starts out this way. Give back to Caesar what is Caesar's. In other words, Jesus says, give to the government what belongs to the government. So the big question before us this morning is, what exactly are you to give to the government? In the immediate context of this statement in the gospel, it's talking about the imperial tax to Caesar, to the governor. But God expands and spells out what this really looks like for us today as we heard in the the reading from Romans chapter 13. God says that we ought to give ourselves to government, using the words subject and submit to governing authorities, meaning willingly place yourself under their leadership. Or in other words, give them obedience. And he goes on to say, do not rebel or fight against their governing. Pay your taxes. If you owe revenue, pay that revenue and give them your respect and honor. But the next logical question that comes to my mind is why? Why should we give these things to government? Well, God spells it out for us too in Romans 13 when he tells us that government has been given its authority by God and that God has created government in very much the same way he has created anything else in this world in order for it to be a blessing to you. Now, maybe you laugh and cringe at that thought. But that's the purpose of government. To be a blessing to the people who are underneath its leadership. The role of government, its whole purpose is to curb and control the outward actions of people in this world for the betterment of society, for the good of society. But the thing that we have to understand is that by faith in Christ Jesus, or through faith in Christ Jesus, we're part of another kingdom too, and this is the kingdom of God. The kingdom in which his gospel is proclaimed and brings people to faith and relationship with him. And the purpose of God's kingdom is to focus on the inside of a person, on the heart and soul to bring a person from sinner to saint by bringing people to the sacrifice made by Jesus as Lord and Savior. 
But therein lies the problem that we as Christians often find ourselves having. We often struggle when we see that the government in this world doesn't line up with the church or with God's kingdom. But here's what we have to understand and know. They're not going to line up. They both serve two different purposes using two different means. And so the very question that was asked of Jesus in order to trap him is the same question that is asked of you and me today. Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Is it right to give honor to the government? Do Christians honor government? And there's the question. And now is an opportunity for us to give good, honest reflection on our own lives. Because the sad truth is that we are often tempted to rebel or to fight against or to speak poorly of our government because we have a, a wrong or a, this perception of morality in our hearts that we expect everybody else to have at the same time and oftentimes underneath the guise of Christianity. But telling lies and spreading false assumptions by blatantly disobeying the laws of our land, let's call it as God sees it. It's sin. Did Jesus agree with or like everything that the Roman governor, that the Roman emperor and state did? No. How many times did Jesus speak out against the government that he lived under? He didn't. What did Jesus disapprove of and speak out against often? Sin. Disobedience to God. And even when the governing authorities, whether they were within the Jewish community or in the Roman state, and they turned as evil and wicked as they could be, falsely accusing and putting illegally a man on trial and then executing and putting to death an innocent man, Jesus Christ himself, he did not speak out against them. Jesus' perfect obedience to his Father's will and to your eternal needs and to a government that was less than ideal, that put him to death, was all done so that he could take your place to pay for all of your shortcomings and all the times when you have lacked honor for your government and lacked honor for your God. He did it to pay for all of your sins. And thank God that he did. Because in Jesus and by his perfect obedience and sacrifice, you are completely forgiven. And through faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior, you are welcomed in as a citizen of God's eternal kingdom. And as a part of God's kingdom, he gives you a change of heart and life to look at this world and to perceive it in the way that you are going to live in a whole different light. That statement of Jesus continued. It said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. So what are we to give to God? 
We are to give them our lives and our honor and our respect. And we honor God when we honor His will. And what is God's will? God's will is that we honor government. And so when you honor government, you honor our Lord God. When you faithfully serve and give obedience to the government, even if it's a bad or, go- or even if it's a good government, you are giving obedience to God and trusting that He is in control. The Old Testament believer Daniel, who's famously known for being thrown into the lion's den, he's a beautiful example of what it looks like for the child of God to live with honor and respect for a government, and sometimes even a less than ideal government. Daniel was part of a group of young Israelite men who were taken uh, captivity into Babylon and were put into this program where they were going to be raised up and trained to be government officials in Babylon, underneath and in the very government that had uprooted his life and dragged them away from his homeland, away from his family, destroyed his Lord's temple and his home. And what did Daniel do? Did he refuse? Did he rebel? No. Daniel faithfully served. He served even underneath an unbelieving and pagan kings. He obeyed even when it, uh, he obeyed the laws that, that were set before him. And the only time he disobeyed was when he was asked to do something against God. And even then, he did it knowing full well that there were consequences to his actions of disobedience, even being thrown in the den of a lion. Daniel honored government. Because Daniel honored God. Do I always like the current tax rate? I'd always like for my taxes to be lower. You do too. But I'm still going to pay my taxes come April 15th because I know that it is a blessing to me and to our communities. Do I like that Wisconsin has a mask mandate? Masks aren't the most comfortable things to wear. But I'm still going to wear it because my government has asked me to for the safety and well-being of our, my neighbor. Do I like that I have to drive 25 miles an hour down my street to my home? There are days where I would like to get home a whole lot more quickly, but I try to keep the lead out of my foot. And am I going to agree with everything that the next elected president is going to put forth in our country? Probably not, but I'm still going to give them my honor and respect. Why? Because when I honor government, I honor God. The Christian honors government. Period. I'm still politically exhausted. But thankfully, God willing, in the next few weeks, we'll be done with this season of of politics. But regardless, there's still a place to find rest. And no matter who is elected and put into place in the coming weeks, and no matter what laws are enacted, this is where we find rest. The Lord God reigns. 
And so I can join in singing with King David, and I pray that you can too. The psalm that we heard this morning, Psalm 96, which says, Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, The Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. listening. To learn more about God's grace or to support this ministry, please visit gracedowntown.org today. This grace is for you.